Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, a presentation of Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee, a servant of the Lord for over seven decades, culminated his ministry with a 21-year book-by-book exposition of the entire Bible, which he called Life Study. This Life Study is the basis for our program today and includes short portions of the spoken messages given by Witness Lee. Now, let's join today's program. In a very real sense, the first few verses of 2 Peter encapsulate much of how God will accomplish his eternal plan or economy. Beginning with the gift of faith, we have God's righteousness, the righteousness of Christ, grace and peace being multiplied in the full knowledge of God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Then the divine power operating in the believers in conjunction with their cooperation, leading to their escape from lust then God's own glory and virtue, and our being called through them and to them. Further, we have God's precious and exceedingly great promises, all of which lead us to become partakers of his divine nature, resulting ultimately in our transformation and full salvation. What a tremendous beginning to this short but thoroughly crucial portion of the Holy Word. Ron Kangas has joined us today. Ron, this is, to me, like a big sirloin steak. There's just so much here. That was quite an introductory word, and I would like to affirm there's no exaggeration here. It's a remarkable beginning to this epistle. Simon Peter, a slave and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have been allotted faith equally precious as ours. Yeah. What a beginning. (laughs) Really. He just trumpets out something so precious in the divine revelation. Allotted faith, equally precious as ours. And then he goes on to grace and peace be multiplied in the full knowledge of God. Then verse 3, his divine power has granted to us all things which relate to life and godliness Then in verse 4, he talks about our becoming partakers of the divine nature. This is high and profound revelation. Mm. This fisherman became a real God-man and had a profound spiritual understanding of the Christian life intrinsically lived under the government of God. Marvelous. Truly marvelous, and that's not a cliche or overused. In this case, it just happens to be the appropriate description of what is here. In the first section today, Ron, Witness Lee comes back to this matter of faith and I think develops it in a marvelous way. I'd like to add a verse. We're going to hear him refer to it. You read verse 1 of Second Peter 1. Romans ten seventeen says, So faith comes out of hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. I think this will be a, a real helpful portion to all of our listeners on the matter of faith. Our portion is Christ. And this portion actually is the triune God. And the triune God is embodied in Christ. So you see, Christ is the embodiment of the triune God as our portion. And this Christ is revealed in the New Testament. 
right? And the entire New Testament is a container of this Christ who embodies the triumph God as our portion. And this container eventually conveys this Christ to us. By what way? Mostly by the way of preaching or by the way of teaching. A lot of preachings do not convey Christ. A lot of teachings do not convey Christ, right? But the apostles preaching and teaching, they always convey Christ. So Christ came to the listeners through the very word they preach and they teach. Faith comes from the hearing. And the hearing comes from the word. Okay, now Christ comes. Christ comes to you through the word preached. You have to realize just at this juncture, Christ comes. Don't forget our all-inclusive Christ. It's not only in the word, at the same time, he is the spirit. While his apostle is preaching him through the word, he as the spirit works and faith is produced. The issue is that whatever Christ is, gets into it. Ron, when we as believers are before the genuine preaching and genuine teaching of the Word with the Apostles' ministry. This is not just a light thing in which we get some instruction or some helpful uh, spiritual pointers, is it? Far from it. God actually is not giving us things or mere information or pointers or advice or counsel Merely, the triune God is embodied in Christ and through the Word, which is Christ, and in and by the Spirit, who is Christ, God is giving us Christ as our portion. The triune God is embodied in Christ and as typified by the allotted portions of the good land in a book, say, such as Joshua, Christ, the all-inclusive one, is our portion. He's our good land for our experience and enjoyment. God is giving us this Christ, but how does he do it? Christ is conveyed through the word of God. And the word of God is announced by the proper preaching of the gospel and the teaching of the truth. As the word is proclaimed and taught, Christ, as the life-giving spirit, is operating to impart the Christ conveyed in the word into our being through faith which is Christ as our believing ability infused into us. Uh, central to understanding what it means for us to have 
faith allotted to us is the thought that faith is not merely a means for us to receive something from God, but that faith is the very one Christ whom we receive. So once again, Christ is everything. He is our portion. He is the one given to us by God through the word which is Christ and in the spirit which is Christ, by the faith which is Christ. But in Peter's very succinct terminology, we have been allotted faith. And that expression, allotted faith, indicates that faith itself is the allotment. But elsewhere, we have pointed out from the word that Christ is the allotment. No conflict, no contradiction here, because Christ is our portion and Christ is our faith. Christ is everything to us. But there must be the faith allotted to us so that as we are under the preaching of the word and the teaching of the scriptures of truth, there is what Brother Lee terms the click, yeah, like the sound made of a camera. There is the click of faith. And when we experience the click of faith, then Christ becomes our portion personally and subjectively and inwardly for our enjoyment. Words fail us here, but perhaps we're at least somewhat approximating the marvelous revelation concerning the allotted faith, the portion of all the believers in Christ. Wow. I'd like to linger, but there's so much on our plate today that we have to just kind of keep plowing on. And we're spending our time sort of reviewing again, uh, musing over these first few verses. In verse 4 of chapter 1, there's a portion right at the beginning that is frequently quoted I think cherished by many believers, through which he has granted to us precious and exceedingly great promises. But the first word there, Witness Lee will draw much attention to in this portion ahead, it is through, which refers back to verse 3. So let me read just the last few words of verse 3 to put this in full context. Who has called us by his own glory and virtue, through which... He has granted to us precious and exceeding great promises. A little difficult to understand, but we're about to get some help. Verse 4 is crucial. It's a hard verse, yet we all need it. Christians decoded verse 4, showing us that God has given us precious and exceedingly great promises. But... They always would not quote the first two words, through which. Why they would not quote? Because they didn't understand. And through which is really hard for people to understand. Through the preceding glory and virtue. When the Lord Jesus was on this earth, Peter and John, all the disciples, saw the virtue in the Lord's conduct and daily living. They also saw the Lord's glory on the Mount of Transfiguration. When the Lord fed 5,000, there was a glory there. Right? When the Lord called out Lazarus from the tomb, there was a glory there. 
I tell you, I do believe when Lazarus walked out of the tomb, so many around there would say, this is glory. This is glory. Am I right? So, they saw the Lord's glory and the virtue. They got attracted. That means they got caught. So, after resurrection and the day of Pentecost, I tell you, Peter was there, just full of virtue and full of glory. Wasn't he? Peter and the eleven, standing there, look at the situation, full of glory and full of virtue, to which they all have been called. Now you understand, through this kind of glory and virtue, God give us the promises. Ron, I recall as a new believer reading the Gospels for the first time after being saved, and I loved the Gospels at that point because I kept seeing this attractive and attracting person. But he has taken this another portion to realize that it's not just the virtue and the glory of Christ that attracts us, but it's also those same things into which we're being attracted, isn't it? This is the import of uh, Brother Lee's exposition of those apparently simple words through which through which refers back to glory and virtue when the lord jesus was on earth from time to time the disciples saw his glory john could say we beheld his glory and peter in second peter mentioned or at least referred to the Lord's glorification on the Mount of Transfiguration. And surely at other times, such as the changing of water into wine and the feeding of the multitude with five loaves and two fishes and the raising of Lazarus from the dead, the Lord's glory was manifested. And even more so, the Lord's virtue was displayed. So through this glory and virtue, the disciples, represented by Peter, were called. And it's through this glory and virtue that God has granted to us precious and exceedingly great promises. So the glory and the virtue are the instrument and the cause, but eventually we know from other scriptures the glory and the virtue are also the goal, especially glory is the goal, that we're called into the glory of God. So through the Lord's glory and virtue, uh, we are called, and we have received the promises. Through these promises, as will be forthcoming, we partake of the divine nature, that is, we partake of all that God is. As a result of this partaking, the divine attributes become our virtues, and the development of these virtues in the divine life consummates in glory. So, on the one hand, we are called through glory and virtue. On the other hand, we are called to, even into, glory and virtue. 
And through this glory and virtue, we have received the precious promises according to which and through which we partake of the divine nature, which eventually consummates in our being in and actually our becoming the glory of God for his expression. Well, let's go on. We want to pick up this verse and this portion of it uh, and Witness Lee's utterance uh, again will be very, very helpful. He called you to the glory and virtue and give you all the promises in order, verse 4, that you might become partakers of the divine nature hour by hour every day. To have the eternal life is a matter once for all. But to partake of the divine nature is a continual matter. And even I would say for eternity we will be partaking of the divine nature. But how could you become partakers of the divine nature? It says having escaped. As a redeemed one, you should abstain from all the lusts. And you should no longer live still in that lustful living. And this is to escape. Yes, God gives you a lot of promises that he will work out the virtue and the glory that you may participate in and partake of the divine nature. This is God's operation. This operation needs your cooperation. And your cooperation is to abstain from the lustful life and to escape the corruption which is in the world by lust. You have to escape. Then, having escaped, having escaped this kind of corruption, you are ready Amen. to become a partaker of the divine nature. Now, I have to speak a little bit concerning the divine nature. The divine nature is just what God is. We all have been born of God in life, in nature. We are the same as God. We have God nature, but we don't have the Godhead for people to worship. Could you follow me? In the second century, then also in the third century, some of the church fathers did teach that we, the believers, are deified. But I must add a word, they don't mean we are made to be worshipped as God. If the Taubes this was heresy. They taught that we, having been born of God, do possess God's divine life and divine nature. In these two aspects, we are made the same as God. Even though we don't have the Godhead, we don't have any position to be worshipped as God. Is this clear to you? You know, Ron, uh, this verse 4, 
Uh, you hear a lot about the promises. Very few Christian expositors, it seems today, talk about the matter of partaking of the divine nature, and it may well be because of the dangers associated with touching it in a wrong way. And I think maybe over the decade, you know better with your background and study, but over the decades, this portion has been something that people have tended to shy away from, hasn't it? Especially in the various Protestant traditions. To be fair, and I say this based upon limited knowledge, but I believe I'm accurate, uh, the Eastern Orthodox Church, for instance, would place great emphasis on this matter. But considering uh, Christians as a whole, especially in the West, there is, if not an avoidance, I would say a watering down of a verse such as this. But Peter is saying not merely that we partake of the divine nature, that refers to an action, but we become a certain kind of person partakers of the divine nature. And let's illustrate, if you have a good Angus steak, you are partaking of the beef. Uh, You are eating it, digesting it, assimilating it, being constituted with it. And the analogy has merit that the Lord presents himself to us as food, the bread of life, the living bread, the bread of God, And as we partake of him by eating him, we eat, digest, and assimilate, and are constituted with the elements, referring to aspects of the divine nature. So the truth is presented very accurately, but without apology. We, the children of God, have been born of God. He actually is our Father. As children of God, we have the life and nature of God. Since we have the life and nature of God, we are the same as God. I would even say we are God in the limited sense of possessing the life and nature of God. But we have no share in the Godhead. We do not partake of the Godhead in the sense of becoming an object of worship. So we will speak as far as we can in faithfulness to the divine revelation and in honor of the immutable, incommunicable, eternal Godhead of the triune God. We are, we, we, the children of God, are divine in that we possess the divine life and nature. We are the same as God in that we possess the divine life and nature. We are God in the limited sense of possessing the divine life and nature, but we are not and never will be God in the Godhead as an object of worship. In order to be faithful to the God whom we serve, the God revealed in this portion of the word, we need to receive, believe, and sound forth the full range of the truth. We are children of God, thus we have the life and nature of God. We are partakers of the divine nature, 
Thus, we are enjoying what God is in those attributes of God which can be communicated, that is, shared with redeemed human beings. This is far as it goes. We are the same as God in life and nature, but we are not the same as God in the Godhead. This is the truth. There is no heresy here. Instead of shrinking back from 2 Peter 1.4, we should ingest this verse and we should immerse ourselves in this verse and enjoy our right, our bequest in the New Testament to be partakers of the divine nature, that is, enjoyers of what God is. Well, uh, speaking for one, I have been a partaker and hope to remain one for uh, the balance of this day. This program and our time together has been a, a real enjoyment of the divine life and nature. I appreciate your help, as always, and invite you to come back whenever you're able. Gladly, according to the Lord's arrangement. Let me close with, uh, of course, our recommendation of the printed Life Study Messages. This volume contains Second Peter. There's a volume for First Peter, and all of these are available. If you'll call us toll-free, 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. 888-543-3788. For Ron Kangas, I'm Chris Wild. Thanks very much for listening today. This program is brought to you by Living Stream Ministry, publisher of the ministry of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee. To find out more, we invite you to visit our website, lsm.org. There you'll find more than 600 titles from both authors available online. You can also listen to recordings of Witness Lee's spoken messages and see the full array of material that Living Stream has to offer. Again, that's lsm.org. Thanks for listening today.